It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here recording on a Masters Sunday afternoon. Uh, We got a pretty dry week of news as far as like spring football content is concerned. So we're dipping back into our well of previous recruiting classes. We're going to take a look at the 2018 class here today. A couple weeks ago, we did the 2017 class. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you do kind of get a feel of the format that we're, we're just basically taking a look back and seeing, okay, with the 2017 class, it was these guys are either out of the program or super seniors. So we kind of got a feel for who everybody is and, and how did the class turn out? Are, are, who were the studs of the class? Who were producing who are out of the program. So we're doing the same thing with the 20, 2018, excuse me, class today. And it's interesting because we get the opportunity here to look at some guys whose careers are not finished or in some cases are far from finished. And we can kind of take the opportunity to look at where guys can move around in this platform uh, in this format that we're using and you know maybe this guy's in for more playing time in the future than he has been something like that but before we get to all of that scott uh, again it's master's sunday here as we're recording this uh the the listeners will know the winner but as we're sitting here any of the leaders have yet to tee off who you got finishing the finishing the job here do you got my guy dice k I do think Matsuyama is going to hold on. He looked fantastic yesterday, uh, and everybody else kind of struggled into that struggled, but he looked far and away better. He's got a four-stroke lead. Uh, crazy things happen in golf, but that's a big lead. I think they were saying on the telecast yesterday that nobody has – it was either nobody has ever or nobody in the last, like, 40 or 50 years has come back from more than a four-stroke deficit in the Masters heading into the final day, so – uh, they got their work cut out for them. I like this Zalatoris kid. I, I had never heard his name or seen his face until this tournament, but he looks good. <laughs> Jeffrey um, the Greek on Twitter, uh, our guy from the Eyes on Big podcast, he tweeted, um, he's an Iowa guy, played football at Iowa, and uh, he tweeted, he was wondering how far Tristan Wirfs could throw that that golfer um is like could he throw him the distance of like a tom brady check down pass 
<laughs> yeah, that kid. I think they said yesterday he's got a 28 inch waist, which is, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, but he can drive it. I don't know how he generates that much power, but he, he's hitting the ball 320, 330 off the tee uphill. So I don't know. Uh, I'll have what he's having. But, I, uh, the, the way that with like Bryson DeChambeau, it's the whole thing of like, he has basically taken this formula and found <laughs> out like, Hey, I might not win every week, but I'm going to put myself in a position with just ridiculous club speed and power to get myself into contention any given week. And I don't know, man, you listen to the telecast or some podcast and they're like, dude, the game of golf is just completely flipped on its head. And I don't know what the course is, what the PGA and everybody's going to do about it. But man, he has not necessarily started, but certainly pushed ahead Elevated. this whole, uh, yeah, it's, it's a different game. Yeah, it'll be fun. Like you said, the as the listeners hear this, we'll know who's winning or who has won. Um, we've got about just over an hour and a half, I think, till the leaders tee off. So uh, hopefully, we won't be too chatty today. <laughs> yeah. No. So we got. Uh, yeah, we got some stuff. I mean, we we brought in a wide receiver from the transfer portal, Christian for Fitzpatrick, uh, from Louisville. Uh, he's originally from Southfield, so a local guy. Six foot four, I think, is the noteworthy thing about him. He, he'll be the tallest person in the receiving room as soon as he enters. And with a guy like Trayvon Morgan leaving in the portal last year, who was our big, you know, red zone threat type of guy, maybe he can carve himself out a role there. I mean, he's got four years of eligibility, so he's got plenty of time to figure something out. But I don't know, anything besides the size stand out to you with him? No, I mean, like, I think that's the story. Like you said, his older brother, Des, uh, just left Louisville to head to the NFL. I think he was a senior. I think he actually graduated. But um, by all accounts, he's headed to the league. So he's got the pedigree anyway. Um, obviously, he is not his brother. Who knows how uh, how they measure up against each other. But, um, but yeah, good depth addition. Like you said, plenty of eligibility. So if he's not ready now, you know, there's time for him if he sticks it around in the program to carve out a niche and, and make some plays. So we will uh, we'll keep an eye on, on him as the, as the weeks and, and even the years continue on. Yeah, it's the 14th edition this offseason via the transfer portal, which is just insane. Uh, Rutgers last year was a big story every time they broadcast a Rutgers game. Oh, my God, look at all these transfers they have. They had 13, and we're already at 14 and, and not really slowing down. So I don't know how many guys Mel Tucker's going to wind up with uh, this offseason, but it's it's been very interesting following the roster turnover. And, you know, we'll kind of touch on that a little bit when we get into this 2018 class with some of the guys that are outgoing to to make room for some of these guys. So before we get there, a um, couple things we got a um, – we do have a winner of our bracket challenge. We we've been talking about that. Uh, we want to make sure that we give Will Jones win his just due. Uh, ended up winning the bracket challenge. I don't have it in front of me uh, to see exactly the margin by which he won, but took home the championship. And we reached out to Will to see uh, what he wanted for his prize. <laughs> and well. Um, we, we said it on the podcast. If you will choose the, uh, the topic for an entire off season episode. And I gave him 
a lot of flexibility. He said, it doesn't have to be football. You can make us look like idiots. We can just do something for, for shits and giggles. And, uh, well, Scott, uh, as of right now, we are going to be doing a podcast sometime this offseason uh, with the topic of, let me read this off verbatim, um, the offseason topic of Shrek movies. Rank the movies, spinoffs, <laughs> characters, etc. So, yeah, we got that to look forward to. Unless Will Jones win, you want to have some mercy on us and give us uh, <laughs> maybe like rank Disney movies. I could do that. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of these Shrek movies. I saw one and two. So we're going to have to to get in the lab here and, and work out this thing. Yeah, well, if you if you're gonna you know die on this hill, if you're really gonna dig your heels in, and and, and we're gonna do this Shrek episode, we're gonna need, I'm gonna say we're gonna need like a, a month, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I I have to watch five. We have to watch five Shrek movies now. I'm not gonna do that in a week. I just won't subject myself to that. I will say, Shrek, the original, is a top animated great movie. movie. I mean, it's phenomenal. phenomenal. But there's five of them. I haven't seen. <laughs> I can't remember if I saw Shrek four probably or Shrek two probably uh but the Shrek rest of two them... was the one where they, we won't get into this because we have a whole episode to break it down but <laughs> it was the one where they introduced like puss in boots and there was the gingerbread man and all of that so okay yeah know, we're gonna have to we're, we're gonna have to grind out some shrek movies yeah yeah i mean we'll get to it um if if that's what if that is will's wish he did earn it we are um, men of and- our word we will do it if if this is what will requests but will if you're listening and you want to have some mercy and give us a little bit more broad i would love that if not hey like i said we're men of our word we will break down the shrek movies for you i'm very curious to see if we do that what the uh what the analytics of that episode will be will look like but uh yeah. and we're gonna get the fans involved we gotta know what the fans think uh we'll, we'll rank the movies we'll rank characters like yep. he said um i don't know what else there is to do but after we watch the movies i'm sure some stuff will, will crop up in our heads we'll so we'll try to takes. make it fun we'll yeah takes. maybe we'll bring it back you know which characters would you put on your starting 11 or yeah, yeah. you know skill positions anyway shrek Puss in boots seems like shrek could be, be versatile <laughs> i could see shrek at like defensive tackle maybe offensive tackle that's probably maybe a guard, just a mauler, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure we'll, we'll it out. We'll dip into that. But yeah, so that that's definitely something that's coming up sometime in this summer. Um, Will, to be completely honest with you, we're going to save it for, for a pretty dry time in the, in the football calendar, but we will, uh, like I said, we're men of our words. We'll get to that. Um, before we, we get to the main part of the episode here, we got a couple questions. Uh, one from Twitter. And then one uh, that I was kind of thinking as I was sitting down watching the Masters this week. So we're, we'll start with the Twitter question. Marshall, uh, always providing us with, with a great off-topic question to get the podcast rolling. Uh, where was it here? The Pretty simple. Uh, rank your top five, top five bar food appetizers. So Marshall and I uh, collectively have indulged many, many times together on bar food appetizers. So I would, uh, I would love to hear Scott, you can, you can kick this thing off. Um, Maybe go five to one here, your top five bar food appetizers. All right. Okay. So my first two, uh, number four and five, I would say are 
they could be higher, but they're kind of hit or miss depending on where you're okay, getting them. We, we might be heading the same path here, but yeah. So number five, I've got spinach artichoke dip. Okay. Because I like it a lot when it's good, but I've also had some, some really bad spinach artichoke dip. So it's not going higher. And it also is very dependent on the carrier, you know, the pita chip, I've had it with tortilla chips. It just feels wrong. I don't know. I'm not a, <laughs> not a spinach artichoke purist or anything. It just, it, it wasn't right. But um, number four, very different, but similar in that it has to be prepared properly is calamari. Um, okay. It can get like real rubbery, dry, nasty if you do it wrong. But if you do it right, phenomenal. You know, get a little fennel, a little lemon juice, maybe some, you know, some kind of dipping sauce. I don't know. I like calamari. Um. Now we're getting into the good ones. Okay. The top three is, is truly an unrivaled top three, in my opinion. Uh, at number three, I have wings. And honestly, any of these three could be number one, but I've, I've got wings. They're versatile. They're, I would say, kind of hard to screw up. Best I, I wing had, flavor. I mean, I like just traditional, like, okay, buffalo. Um, number Ranch two. Ranch or blue cheese? I, I was a ranch guy, but I've since transitioned to blue oh, cheese. My my fiance, you, you have found the Lord. Yeah, my fiance's a big uh, blue cheese follower, and uh, and and she w- wore me down. Um, so I'm on the blue cheese train after now. after the first time I made the switch to blue cheese. I don't understand how people can dip buffalo into ranch anymore. It's just it's not right. No. It's, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I still like ranch, but it, it's blue cheese. It's the way to go. Um, number two, mozzarella sticks. Um, they're grungy. They're greasy. You know you're not doing yourself any favors when you eat them, but you just can't help but love them. Um, so not much to say there. And number one, chips and salsa, I think, just belongs there. It's You can't go wrong. You know, you get it for free a lot if you go to the right places, which is obviously phenomenal. So top five, what do you think? Yeah, I, so we're, we have pretty similar lists here. We'll start there. Uh, but the one, so mozzarella sticks, I don't have. And the reason being is very specific to me. I have a little gap in between my teeth where when I bite down, my front teeth don't connect And so it makes it damn near impossible to eat mozzarella (laughs) sticks because I can't bite all the way through the cheese and it just keeps stringing out and stringing out. So like, I love the idea of mozzarella sticks, but the, the, when you put it into practice, it's, it's always been a struggle for me. That's fair. Um, But yeah. So number five, I have nachos. The yeah. reason it's number five and not higher because homemade, if we said homemade nachos, it's number one. The problem is most bars, they just, they put a, a huge plate of chips and then they just dump everything on top. And yep. so when you get to the bottom of, of it, there's like no, there's nothing left. Um, it's, it starts getting soggy. Like yep. the bar food nachos, they can still be good. There are still places that do it pretty well, but yeah, it's, it's just, 
it's better in theory than in practice the one thing that really is just immediate disappointment for me if i order nachos at a restaurant first of all i didn't have it on my list because it's more of like a like an entree for me i'd get nachos as a meal right i have like at home i have yeah nachos as a meal as an appetizer it's more of a shared right yeah no and it can be i'm just right for me but what disappoints me the most is when you order nachos and they come out and the only cheese they have on it is like a liquid fondue cheese. Oh, no. And <laughs> I would genuinely consider sending it back. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, admittedly, most places melt the che- like, you know, do the tradi- the typical melted shredded cheese, which is the way to go. But if you get nachos with, you know, the fondue cheese on it, it's just it's not worth the money. No. Yeah, so I got nachos number five. Number four, I also had fried calamari. Like you said, it can be phenomenal and it can be just kind of not great. So uh, fried calamari, shout out to the beached whale in Fort Myers, the best fried calamari of my life. We paid like, it was senior spring break in high school and we would go there. You'd pay like five bucks and you just got a mountain and it was phenomenal. Dangerous. Great spot. Number three, also spinach artichoke dip. Um, I think you had it number five. I I love spinach artichoke dip. It's something that when you're a kid, it's like spinach and artichoke. But yeah, as, as my taste the first buds time. have evolved, phenomenal. Number two, I got the like little mini corn dogs. Um, oh. Specifically at Buffalo Wild Wings. You can do the little mini okay. corn dogs with a like honey mustard dip. Oh, top of the line. That is so that is a. I respect it, but I'm just not a huge hot dog guy. Um, and even in the corn dog form. So, no, I know they're popular, but uh, but yeah, wouldn't have. I don't even think it's an honorable mention for me, oh. honestly. I love the mini corn dogs. And then number one, chips and salsa. Like you said, you can just munch on those for hours waiting for your Mm -hmm. dinner. It's one of those where like, if, if, if you're sitting there waiting for like an hour for your dinner, you're not even mad because you just got chips and salsa. You can order another beer, you know, just kind of wait it out. And like you said, most places you can get them, not most places, but a lot of places you get them for free. A lot of places they'll just do like unlimited refills. You can just Mm -hmm. sit there all day. Just keep bringing them. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Any, 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 are, are there any bad bar food start? Like anything that you're just like, I, I, I won't touch that. My, like, I'm not a big pickle guy. So I know a lot of people love like fried pickles. Oh, um, shoot. Oh, I don't man. really love hope, pickles. So that I hope one... my fiance does not listen to this episode <laughs> because I forgot fried pickles and I might get kicked out of the house for it. <laughs> She'll take that as a personal insult. Oh man. Yeah. No, I love fried pickles. They can be bad. Like, because the, the pickle juice sometimes can make like the inside soggy. And if it's bad enough, like the breading will even fall off. And so it can be, it's a delicate art, but um, no, I mean, bad. I don't think there's any appetizer. That's like, I mean, yeah. Inherently not good. Right. Right. Yeah. You can just go to like Applebee's and get those, like, just kind of sample platter type deals and it's like yeah i'll probably eat everything on there and be happy about it so yeah no great great topic always love getting into stuff like that so as uh as you guys are listening you can hit us on twitter anytime or on email standingroomspartans at gmail.com 
ask us a question. We'll probably put it at the start of any episode, or if we're doing a mailbag episode, we'll obviously put that in there as well. So Twitter, Instagram, email, whatever, hit us with anything. We'll, we'll get into it. Then the other thing, Scott, I was sitting down, I was watching the masters this weekend and, uh, it's actually funny. Stephen Brooks from 24 seven, uh, he tweeted about, you know, like what, why does everybody seem to love the masters? There's like a bunch of people who don't even really like golf, but they always get into the masters for, for whatever reason. And I think it's a couple things. It's the placement on the sports calendar, right? March madness is done. There's no football and it's still the regular season for the NBA and the NHL. Um, baseball like opening weekend is is in the past enough where like okay we're like 10 games into the season and and the opening feelings have worn off a little bit so it's just kind of like people are desperate for something and it's it's something about like when the weather starts turning you know we're all from from Michigan from a cold weather state and the weather starts turning and you can turn on a golf tournament and everything's beautiful, green, crisp. Um, there's something about the masters, even compared to the other major tournaments. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, man, if, if you had the chance to go to the masters, that'd be awesome, man. I I've, I've put in like the little lottery thing to, to see if I can get a ticket before. I know people who have done it every year for 20 years and, and are still waiting. So it's one of those, it's, it's a, it's a sports fan bucket list thing. And it, it kind of got me thinking like, what, what are the sports fan bucket list items you have? Um, the thing here is I, I took out college football in general, right? Anything Michigan's, if we, you put on Michigan state Rose bowl, obviously we we've had the opportunity to do that. Um, but a Michigan state national championship. Okay. Um, and then I was saying, you know, let's just take off college football in general. Let's go just other sports bucket list things. Um, the masters is definitely on mine. Uh, I'm guessing it's the same for you as well, but what else do you got on that, um, sports bucket list? So I did another, I did a top five, but I also have like six honorable mentions. So I'll do those after, but I'll just do quick roll through the top five, number five, the Olympics. I don't care if it's summer or winter. I grew up skiing, so I I had the predisposition to loving winter sports, but I would do either. There would always be something to do. It's You don't have to know or care about the sport you're watching at all because you're watching the greatest people in the world doing it. It's almost always competitive, so it would be f- fantastic. Yeah, I've, I have the Olympics on there too, and it's like – the it's the weird opportunity to see things that you don't normally see too. Like you can go watch like the skeleton and watch yep. dudes go face first, 150 miles an hour down a freaking ice path. Like, when am I going to get the opportunity to see that? So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have the Olympics on there too. That, that would be amazing. Yeah. So, and plus you're generally going somewhere in a different culture. You a lot of times a really beautiful place. So that's, you know, plays into it as well, but number four, the final four, um, this one, I'm assuming I was, I took MSU out of it. Obviously if MSU is involved, I want to be at an MSU championship game. Right. But just given like the, um, unaffiliated bystander, fan uh, the final four you get the two games right and, and the whole basketball universe is in one arena so that one's there um number three the kentucky derby um, uh, the kentucky derby as well 
and I know it's like okay, it's a two minute race, whatever it is, but like it's a it's a whole thing. It's the whole day. You do the whole dressing up. You get your mint juleps. You play some bets. You watch the race. You party the whole day. Like it's fantastic. Um, number two, the Masters. So we we already went through that for for all the same reasons. Um, the only downside to being at the Masters is you wouldn't get to listen to Jim Nance, like lulling you into a nice <laughs> Sunday afternoon nap. You know, yeah, that's, what I, that's, that's, that's on my point. schedule after this. I'm going to, that's a good, I got point. all my shit done. I'm going to sit on the couch and just let myself kind of doze through the middle holes for the leaders and then wake back up for the home stretch. Yeah. You could like with the, 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 you get kind of in and out where you, you fall asleep for three or four holes. You wake up, watch another Check two the leaderboard. <laughs> yep. sleep for another three or four holes. And then they're on the back nine. You're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Crack a beer and bring it into the finish. So number one, um, the world cup final, mm-hmm. I think soccer fan bases are the most passionate fan bases in the world. I know college Without football fans yeah. would have a bone to pick with me saying that, but no, I just, it's honestly, not even close. It's not close. In the world cup, you get the, obviously the added uh, national um, nationalism, I guess um, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Patriotism uh, no, it, would be the more positive way to say it, but yeah, we'll yeah. go with patriotism. Um and you got the whole world there. The whole world's watching soccer or people who aren't necessarily soccer fans or football fans, depending on what you call it, uh, are, are watching it. You know, everybody gets into it. It's like the Olympics. You're watching something, even if you're not, even if you're a casual fan, not a fan at all, you can't help it gets, get roped in. Um, so world cup final would be fantastic. If the home country's in it even better, even though I think the last time that happened, Brazil lost to Germany, like eight to one or something. Um, you remember that I think game? That was that was a semifinal. Was I'm it? Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, but yeah, World Cup final. Uh, again, you're going to be somewhere really cool, also, which which is a factor. Um, you're in usually a brand new stadium somewhere in the world. So that was my top five. Did you put yours in order? Because I'll go through I, honorable mentions. But. I didn't. Um, I yeah. I I just kind of threw together. I have, I have seven things on here. I could probably add a bunch, but. Uh, or eight things, sorry. But yeah, there, there's been, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to do some pretty sweet things. I went to a Euro Cup football uh, or soccer match. Um, it was Italy versus Spain. So we got to kind of see some of we talked. I have the World Cup final on here, obviously totally different, but it was a round of 16. So it was an elimination match. Um, that was awesome. Like we, me and my buddy, it was in Paris and uh, me and my buddy got free tickets, like kind of last minute. And we, we were going into the stadium and we're like, all right, well, we, we kind of got to pick a team to root for like, yeah, I don't know, Italy or Spain, what are we feeling? And we just kind of decided like, all right, when we get into the stadium, we're just going to kind of get a feel of like who's around us and we'll just yeah. root for them. Cause I don't want to be like the, the guy that's against everyone in our, our section. Yeah. Um, so we, we were in a big Italy section and Italy ended up winning three to one. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I've been in Australia during a cricket world cup final, which seems, uh, I don't know. It's, it seems kind of boring if you've never seen cricket before. And I thought it was going to be boring, but the, the atmosphere was electric. We were in like the city main square kind of thing. And they had like a big mm-hmm. inflatable screen. 
So me and a couple buddies just brought down like two bottles of rum and <laughs> just camped up, like camped out there, had it, you know, posted up with a couple chairs and, and that was a great time. Uh, but I have on here some things. I have two golf ones. So I have the Masters, of course. And then I also have the Open. So I would mm. love to go over to like if, if it's at St. Andrews in Scotland, mm-hmm. um, that would be an epic trip. I do uh, have one more golf one while we're on the topic. I threw the Ryder Cup in there because oh, I think that, that you might get even the be most better than the Open. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the only time golf gets like truly belligerent and like just besides the Waste Management Open in Phoenix. <laughs> everyone gets hammered at the Ryder cup you've got again the patriotism i mean the european side is obviously just for europe not one country but you get like the the more team atmosphere everybody's drunk everybody's you know trash talking it's it's a good time so that'd be fun that would be a fun one yeah i so i have the kentucky derby as well uh i have the monaco grand prix yeah, like that, that one made my list. That would be something that's just something you would never experience any other way. So just yep. to see all the rich people living rich people lives uh, and just to see F1 in person would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I have the X Games, kind of like what you oh, said with the yeah. Olympics, like winter or summer. I'm cool with both. Like I, I've been mm-hmm. snowboarding my whole life. So getting to see that would be cool. But also it's really cold. So <laughs> the summer would be more appealing in that sense that you can sit in some nice weather and watch skateboarding, dirt bikes, whatever. That would be a lot of fun just because I've, yeah. I've always been fascinated by the, the action sports and, and seeing that in person, watching a dude do a triple backflip, you know, 70 feet in the air on a dirt bike in person, I feel like would be ridiculous. So I, I put that on there. Um, the last one I have would be a heavyweight title fight in boxing. Ooh. That yeah. would be awesome, man. Like being at Caesar's palace in Vegas, the atmosphere, knowing that everybody in that arena has like 15 grand on the winner of the match. Like <laughs> you, yeah. I feel like that would just be an electric atmosphere. Like I, I don't really, I'm not that I'm against or for boxing. I just, it's never been one that I'll like turn on TV or pay for the pay-per-view. Like I'm just not that interested in, in fighting like MMA boxing. But if you gave me the opportunity to be in the arena for a heavyweight title fight, like Fury and Wilder, like that would Mm -hmm. just be electric. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, yeah, I got a couple more here. Wimbledon, um, because I think tennis in a good match can be one of the most exciting sports. I know that's probably not a very popular opinion, but it's, I think it'd be great. Um, the Super Bowl, it's not in my top five because we talked about this a little bit before we got on here. Like it's very corporate. It's, yeah, there's not always like, it's not just two fan bases. It's like this whole, if you can afford a ticket thing, but it'd be cool to do for sure. I'm not going to say it wouldn't be fun. It's just not the first one I'd pick. Um, the Tour de France. I think the only way I'd want to watch the tour de France is if I could follow the race through all the stages though. Cause you get to see the whole country. You'd be able to follow like the actual leaderboard, you know, whereas like individual stages, the leader might not even be like competing that hard or, you know, by the time he gets back to Paris to the actual finish line, they already know he won and he doesn't have to really try whatever, but watching the whole tournament or not tournament, the whole race would be great. 
Um, and the last one, the Champions League final, I put the yeah. World Cup over it because of like the worldly aspect. But I think the fans were, would probably be cranked up to just a little bit higher degree with that club, you know, because that's really where the blood flows. Like oh, your yeah. club team as a, as a soccer fan, that's that's what you live and breathe every year. So yeah. it'd be up I there May for for a like Liverpool fan. Like Liverpool is above Team England, I think, without yeah. even a question, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you you could do this endlessly. I didn't even think about extreme sports, honestly. I think there's probably half a dozen events I could think of off of the top of my yeah. head there. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, this is hopefully I'll get to do like four or five of these in my life i think that's <laughs> I know, right now that a pretty I'm, solid turnout now that we're putting this down on paper and talking about i'm like man i gotta get to a world cup like that would be cool or yeah yeah obviously COVID's yeah. putting a wrench in a lot of these plans for now but there will be a time everybody where we're able to do some of these things again there are patrons at the masters tournament this weekend so yeah maybe maybe by the time we're like 65 and retired we can uh, finally win the lottery for master's tickets. And uh, <laughs> there we there. go. Uh, that's uh, it's a, it's always a nice way to uh, start off the pod with a couple fun questions here. So let's, let's get into what we came to talk about. And that's the 2018 recruiting class. Um, I guess on a, a broad overview type of deal, it, it was the 31st ranked class in the country the sixth ranked class in the big 10. You had three, four-star guys, Kalon Gervin, Trenton Gillison, Xavier Henderson. And it was a class that, you know, trying to like dig up my feelings or my memories from the time that I think I was pretty excited about. There was a lot of these guys. I remember Xavier Henderson. I'm pretty sure just from what I feel like, I think he was kind of later on in the process. And, and he was kind of one of those guys where once we got him, it's solidified, like, okay, you know, we got some players in this class. And obviously, again, and that's kind of the point of what we're doing here is like, now that we get a chance to look back on it a few years later, were some of the guys that you were excited for, did they end up doing anything? Who were the, you know, kind of low three-star guys that that you didn't even really put that much thought or attention into come signing day but now are you know significant contributors on the team so we'll go through all of that again if you haven't listened go back to the 2017 class I think it was two or three weeks ago we did that uh, the way I put this together in my head, just, just to sort everything out and, and it gives you the ability to compare class to class is five categories so you have on the top starting from the top you have the studs last uh, last episode we talked about uh, an example Antoine Simmons right an all big 10 level player somebody whose legacy is is you know in the Michigan State maybe not record books but somebody that Michigan State fans will remember for a long time you have the starters simple right they're starting caliber players you have the contributors guys who may not have a starting role, but maybe he's a third down running back. Maybe he's the the fourth wide receiver. Maybe he's the, you know, uh, a special teams ace, whatever it might be. You have the non-contributors, guys that just haven't been able to crack the lineup. And then you have the guys that are no longer with the program. They transferred out um, for whatever reason. So 
last week we started from the top down uh and after we we went through it scott we were talking about you you had the idea it's probably better to go bottom up um just just to kind of give ourselves some some room here towards the end to especially with this class position some guys to say like hey he could move up this list so we'll start from the bottom we'll just start with the guys that are out of the program right so you have uh, a pretty significant list here from this class so Davion Williams the cornerback from Belleville he is out he is heading to Western Kentucky to finish his college football career Christian Jackson, the cornerback from Marietta, Georgia. He is headed to Washington State to finish off his career. Ladarius Jefferson, he was an athlete. He he played quarterback at Muskegon. He played some running back at Michigan State. He is now at Western Michigan. Dimitri Douglas, an offensive tackle out of Saline. He is now at Eastern Michigan. We have, uh, let's see here. Jess Lord Boateng, the linebacker, he transferred to Akron this this last offseason. Julian Major, uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, Scott, if you found anything on him. I searched everywhere to see where he wound up. I know he's no longer with Michigan State. I don't know where he is now. Um, no. Um, it says an article from 2018 says his, he was in flux after leaving Michigan state. So, right. That's the last I saw too. Uh, Maybe he just decided to, to call his football career, uh, a career, hang up the cleats. So to speak. Yeah. I mean, his his ESPN bio still shows the Michigan state logo and all other teams. So I don't know. I guess he just not playing anymore. Yeah. So he was a wide receiver out of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, Ed Warriner. I, I didn't really realize this. We talked about the Van Summeren kid coming in from Michigan. Ed Warriner transferred to Michigan a couple of years ago. That was a linebacker out of Ohio. And then uh, Javez Alexander, uh, wide receiver out of Sandusky, Ohio. He is currently in the transfer portal. He put his name in, uh, I believe, in March of this year. So uh, still awaiting on his decision where he's going to wind up what are there any big storylines as far as the guys from this class that have left obviously it's a pretty significant list right four five six seven eight guys out of um 22 i mean we're talking over a third of the class is out yeah i think there were three guys that kind of stung a little bit when they left uh davion williams who was a belleville kid obviously we had three belleville kids uh who left Dobbs um, and Julian Barnett being the other ones. Uh, so that stunk. And, and Chris Jackson, I'll lump those two together, both cornerbacks. I was surprised to see both of them leave because of our kind of situation at corner. So there was opportunity to earn snaps. We know where we're at now. I think either of those guys would be, have an opportunity to be competing for a starting role this year. Chris Jackson started last year for the team for a few games. So surprising I think he had some Chris Jackson that is had some off the field stuff happen near the end of the year so I'm sure that played into it but those two and and Jeslord Boateng's a guy that I know you and I were both kind of hoping would break out we really liked what he was bringing to the table you know when he got on campus so um you know it is what it is again another linebacker so you'd think he'd have an opportunity to, to earn a job this year you know but we don't know what happens behind closed doors where their development really was so 
Um, those three, the rest of them, I mean, they were never really names after getting on campus in the first place. So uh, I'm not, not too surprised that they went and found other homes. Ladarius Jefferson, I will say, from what I've heard, is doing really well at Western. Um, obviously, you know, being from Michigan, we have friends who follow Western Michigan football. And uh, sounds like he's he's a starter there. And he's a really actually a pretty big part of their offense these days. So shout out to him going and finding himself a, a good role. Yeah, and he, he played a significant role for us a couple years ago. And then mm-hmm. just... I don't know, man. Like it just never felt like he got into a groove at the running back spot. Like it just yeah, never really seemed to click for him. But like you said, it, you know, I've heard good things about him at Western Michigan. He had a few touchdowns, four touchdowns last year. So, um, or no, I'm looking at the wrong stats here, but uh, regardless, I don't feel like pulling this up right now. Had a decent year. Um, looks like he's he's got a, a significant future ahead of him over there, a lot closer to home. Obviously, Michigan State and Muskegon aren't too far away, but Kalamazoo and Muskegon are a hell of a lot closer. So um, good to see him finding a role there. Now, <clears throat> as far as the, the guys who are still with the program, non-contributors here. So guys that just haven't really been able to crack the lineup for, for one reason or another. I've got four names here. Uh, we'll start with the quarterback, Theo Day. His uh, career stats are two for three with 12 yards uh, from 2019. <laughs> we, we talked about him on the last episode, uh, just kind of talking about the quarterbacks in general. And yeah, Theo Day just doesn't really seem like a guy who has. It... Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> one way to put it. Yeah. He was a pretty highly rated kid. Um, just, just never really seemed to be able to put it all together and, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe there is some some noise in the building that he could be fighting for playing time this offseason, but I, I guess I really just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, quarterback, it's a position where one guy gets snaps. If, you know, if there's a competition, there's two guys getting snaps, then he's, by all accounts, not in those top two right now. Maybe he's number three, maybe he's not, we don't even know. So, um, like you said, maybe there's some chatter inside that hasn't leaked out of the program. We'll I'm sure we'll see him at some point in the spring game. We'll see what, what he looks like um, and kind of where he, what, how his snaps measure up compared to the rest of the quarterbacks. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, unless something surprising happens, I wouldn't expect to be hearing his name too much this fall. Yeah. And then we got, so Zach Slade, brother of Jacob Slade, uh, redshirted 2018, 2019, he was injured 2020, didn't play any snaps. Um, and then besides them, you got Ohanba, the offensive lineman who has played, uh, let me do some quick math in my head here, 42 snaps in his career and Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, 29 career snaps guys that just haven't really been able to crack the lineup. Um, either of those two may be fighting for some playing time this year. I'd I don't know. I guess there, there could, anytime you're on an offensive lineman position, like there's five guys that are playing and it's a position that lends itself to a lot of injuries typically year to year. So I guess I wouldn't count them out. Yeah, you could see them. I mean, like you said, it's a rotational kind of area. They, they have experience in the program. If, you know, if it's limited on the field in games, they've been around and they're veteran guys, but uh, you'd think at a position like offensive line where there have been opportunities, if they were going to break out, they would have been getting some more snaps, you know, in previous years, but you never know. 
Yeah. So I, you know, again, I, I don't know if any of these guys are really going to take that step up, but uh, of the four, I think the two offensive linemen are probably our best bets. As far as the contributors go, we have Trent Gillison, the tight end. He played as a true freshman, not, not very much, but then in 2019, got on the field quite a bit, had 147 receiving yards, 319 snaps, and kind of capped it all off with that Wake Forest bowl game where we came into last offseason and we're like, damn, okay, you know, we got a potential playmaker here, athlete, athletic, you know, all of that. 2020 just didn't take that step forward we were looking for. He missed the final three games with an injury, started three of the first four games, had five catches for 49 yards. Uh, Chase Klein hasn't been any hasn't started any games, but has played played significantly last year, played quite a bit in 2019 as well to, to just kind of get some flashes out there on tape. Uh, but somebody that I think will be in a starting position here this year. So uh, because that battle hasn't really hasn't really finished up yet, I, I'm, I'm going to leave him in the contributor category for now. But as things are kind of trending towards him starting, he'll probably be moving up there. Michael Dowell, um, a similar position. He started a couple games. I think he's a starting caliber player. So I could argue that he could be a starter in this, in this exercise. I uh, played quite a bit last year, two starts. He played 340 out of a possible 550 defensive snaps last year. So he was on the field over half the snaps, um, 27 tackles, started two games again, Indiana and Penn State. You have Parks Gissinger, who I think will be a contributor this year. Um, I could argue he'd be a non-contributor as well, but he hasn't played a whole lot. I think he should get on the field a little bit more this year. And then I guess the most controversial, the, the hardest one to peg here was Eli Collins because he's, he played a tiny bit as a true freshman, um, but enough, not enough to preserve that red shirt. And then 2019, he comes in 988 yards, five touchdowns, third team, all big 10 second, most rushing yards by a freshman in program history. He had uh, a game against Rutgers with 31 carries a game against Illinois with 28 carries bell cow kind of guy. We go into last off season thinking, okay, like we got some position battles, but running backs, definitely not one of them. It comes into last year through seven games as 41 carries for 90 yards, 2.2 yards a carry. And was very clearly the, at least the third guy on the depth chart. So like, I don't know where we wanted to put him. I guess I put him in contributor for just cause I didn't know what else to do with him. He could be anywhere from non-contributor to starter. Um, don't, I mean, I guess looking at his, his breakout year, he, could have had potential to be a stud going into last year we would have said he's a starter with potential to move into the stud category uh so yeah that's a shot in the dark running back as a position obviously we have the transfers coming in uh joiner and walker and some talented freshmen and guys coming up as well so it's going to be a dogfight to get snaps at running back but he's a guy who's he's done it before so you never know um yeah and and going back to a couple of these other guys trenton gillison should be the starting tight end. Um, Dotson is has left the program. I don't expect Gissinger to really be a contributor this year, but it's a thin position. You've got um, 
Cam Allen fighting for snaps already as a true freshman at that position. So that, that'll be an interesting one to watch. But Trenton Gillison should be the starter, at least to start the year. Uh, Chase Klein, similar position where he has contributed, should be a starter. But I certainly wouldn't say he has cemented his job um, at, at this point. So yeah, these guys and in this class in particular, we were talking about this before we got on here. This class is really going to define like what this team is this year. We we talked about the super seniors, you know what you're getting there. They're not going to get significantly eye poppingly better between their senior and super senior year. Um, They're kind of a known quantity. This class has a lot of these guys like, um, like Gillison, like Chase Klein, even Michael Dowell, some other guys we'll talk about here, where if they can take a step or two steps up, you know, in their play this year, it's going to define or or how much they step up is going to define how successful this team is. So uh, yeah, these guys like Klein Gillison, if they can step up into star or starter, you know, steady starter territory, and and maybe one of them hits as a stud, uh, it could be, it could be a good year for us. Yeah, and that's where this becomes a lot more interesting for this year because the way I'm doing this is what do I see right now? I'm not really doing as much of a projection to what this guy can be. So if you know if we revisit this thing next year at this time, these could all be completely different, and I hope they are. But yeah, from what we're going off of right now, like I said, like Chase Klein, I expect him to start this year, but I don't know that right now. So I'm not going to put him as a starter. Trenton Gillison, the same thing. So yeah, I think those two more than anybody else, just because of opportunity there. But yeah, the, the leap that they take and the degree to which they take that leap is, is going to be really important, really fascinating to watch. The starters. So this is honestly the rest of the class for me because I don't have anybody that's currently in the stud category. There was one guy that I was toying with, two guys I should say that I was toying with a little bit, and I'll mention those. But I just, when you look at this class, there's some guys that are are definite, safe, good, secure starters that you feel very comfortable with. You know they're good players. But again, when I'm talking stud, I'm talking an all Big Ten type player. I'm talking someone that you're going to look back three, four, five years and still say, damn, man, that was a good player. I miss having that guy around. And I don't think there's anybody in this class that has gotten to that point yet. Again, like we said, we're talking about them right now. I think there are at least three guys who could very well jump up to that category next year. So We'll start with the highest rated recruit of the group, Kalon Gervin. Played a little bit as a true freshman, and then in 2019, he started one game against Ohio State, played 150 snaps, uh, eight tackles on the year. Then last year, started every game that he was available for. He missed that Indiana game. Uh, we, we don't know why. It might have been injury. It might have been COVID contact tracing. They didn't really release anything. Uh, he played 420 out of 550 snaps. So when you take out that Indiana game, he played damn near every snap that he was on the field. It was fifth most on the defense. Uh, again, even with missing a full game, 22 tackles, four pass breakups. He had the touchdown that kind of sealed the Northwestern game where he fell in a fumble. But I think this is somebody who could very well take that jump. We've talked about him before as somebody that was just 
locked down at times, the best corner on the team. I think without, for me, even including Shakur Brown, I thought Kalon Gervin was the best corner on the team last year. Shakur Brown had the stats. He had more of the production, but I thought Kalon Gervin was awesome. Now, is he an all big 10 caliber player right now? No, but do I expect him to be next year? Yes. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. Um, he has played stud football already. Like he has, he's had game entire games where he has played at an all big 10, potentially all big 10 first team level. Um, and then there's like a couple games here and there where he sputters and that's what he needs to polish up this year to, to take that leap. I think if we're going by what you're saying and just talking about right now, I think, yes, he's a starter. I think, he should be a stud this year. I think he should be at least second team all big 10 this year. Um, Interestingly, he has never recorded an interception, which I know corners don't always get the most compared to safeties because they're, Mm -hmm. you know, in man coverage, but it still surprised me. Um, But yeah, he, like you said, if a stud is kind of the guy where you're looking back in a couple of years saying, man, I miss having him on the field. I think he is, the closest to being that on the, on this roster right now. Yeah. And and there's two other guys that I, I toyed with a little bit. So Xavier Henderson, uh, he's played a lot in his career, played all 13 games as a true freshman, played all 13 games as a sophomore, played all seven games last year. He's probably the most, uh, yeah, he's definitely the most experienced guy in this recruiting class as far as on field at Michigan state. I thought about putting him on the stud category. He played 511 out of the 550 snaps last year, led the defense. They never took him off the field. And that just shows how important he is. But I I don't know. I just, I feel like we haven't seen the best of him and I hope that's Mm -hmm. the case. Yeah. He's um, I mean, Gervin is obviously, well, I don't know about obviously Gervin's, I would say the most talented at least in the back seven of our defense, uh, but he's a corner and corners impacts are always limited because they're generally covering one side of the field, one guy. Xavier Henderson has the ability to be the impact defender on this defense, the Antoine Simmons type, obviously different position, but mm-hmm. given the fact that he's going to be able to stick his nose in just about every play and the fact that two years ago, he looked like he was about to be, an all big 10 player last year it was kind of hit or miss. It was a weird year, but I think he's primed to be the heart and soul of the defense, if you will. Um, and I know that's a lot of pressure, but he's been kind of coming on as a leader in the program by, you know, the accounts coming out of the program as well. So I expect big things from him. Not there yet. I think we were both a little bit disappointed in how he looked last year I thought we I think we were expecting him to really be contending for an all big 10 spot and he just wasn't quite there but uh given you know a more normal year this year hopefully a full schedule and uh you know a leadership position in the program I think he's really primed for for big things I think he can definitely take that next step to be again an all big 10 type guy and then the last one that I, I was toying with, and then I got two more on this list, then we'll wrap this thing up, is Jalen Naylor. I, you could easily make an argument for him being a stud already. 
Yeah. Uh, last year was tough because you had the shortened season, you know, from a wide receiver, you really want to see him put together a full season of work. And I don't remember his stats. I think he had around 600 yards last so 26 year. catches 515 yards and four touchdowns he led the big 10 in yards per catch with 19.8 yeah and i mean just the the raw athleticism here you can see it as soon as he's on the field um kind of more the speed the vertical type guy whereas you know Jaden reed plays kind of the possession quick moves everything but both of them play you know a similar style in the end but Naylor, uh he he could be there and a lot of it will depend on his quarterback. Obviously, you know, he's got to, they've got to get the ball to him, but he, you know, in a, in a, in a class where we've been talking about a lot of defensive guys, uh, he kind of stands out as, as the offensive star from this class. And, and like you said, could be a stud this year, could be an all big 10 player, just given his athleticism could be pushing for uh, you know, a draft slot come, come next spring. There were a couple stats that, so I'm, we talked about it. Uh, this was a, like a couple months ago. I don't even remember what the context was, but it was like, if you, if you put, if you put Jalen Naylor's seven game stats and just averaged it out to a full 13 game schedule, I mean, it was, it was almost a thousand yards. It was seven touchdowns. I mean, it could have been an all big 10 type season, the shortened schedule, you know, everybody had their different criterias for how they were ranking these players, but he had in 2020 alone, he had plays of 75 yards, 57 yards, 56 yards, 53 yards, and 45 yards. And it's just that big play threat that can take it the, the distance anytime that, that he touches the ball. And one thing that I I kind of took note of because we talked about with the QB competition. And one reason that I think I would favor Rousseau this year is because I said, he maximizes what the receiver talent that we have on this roster. He's got a, the arm that can stretch the field a little bit more than Peyton Thorne. He can take advantage of a deep threat like Jalen Naylor. The one game that Peyton Thorne started last year was that Penn state game. Jalen Naylor had six catches for a hundred yards and two touchdowns in that game. So, I mean, I guess that narrative that, you know, Anthony Rousseau can take advantage of a guy like Jalen Naylor better than a Peyton Thorne can. Well, the one opportunity Peyton Thorne had Jalen Naylor had a pretty darn good games. So <laughs> I don't know I thought that was interesting kind of looking back like, man, I, I kind of have created this narrative, but doesn't even make any sense. The stats say probably not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And um, at the end of the day, a guy like this, you can get him the ball early and, and help him make plays, or you can let him go over the top. I mean, he just expands the field in all kinds of ways. He'll make his quarterback better, whoever it is. Um, I just did the quick math here on if it were a 13 game season, he would have been on pace for 48 catches, 956 yards and seven and a half touchdowns. So probably yeah, not that's like first team 20, all big 10. That's like 2019 Cody white, right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not first team all big 10, but he would have got 
probably second, third team with, with numbers like that. And, and that's not even including non-conference games where you can put up your 200 yard, three touchdown yeah. <laughs> game, you know, in week two against, against Akron or state. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, that's all speculation, but obviously, like I said, the most talented offensive player coming out of this class, I think from what we've seen so far in their careers. And I'd be really surprised if, if that changed uh, this season. Yeah, the last two guys, so you have two starting caliber players. You have Deshaun Mallory, number one, uh, didn't really play a whole lot until 2020, but started two games against Northwestern and Ohio State, played 200 snaps. In those 200 snaps, 15 tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, a QB hurry. So the sample size wasn't huge, but the damage he did in that small sample size was impressive. He was somebody like if if you guys have been listening through the whole season in 2020, he was somebody that we talked about every single week, it seemed like, because mm-hmm. there were one or two plays in every game where you're like, holy hell, Deshaun Mallory just blew up that offensive lineman and just wrecked that play. Whether he was the one making the play in the backfield or whether he forced a running back to, to just completely abandon the run play. And, and turn the other way and somebody else got him in the backfield, whatever it was, Deshaun Mallory seemed to wreck a play like once a half and, and yeah. in a small sample size. So I'm really, really excited to see what he can do. And then the other guy, we can kind of lump these two together because they play the same position is Jacob Slade. I uh, played all 13 games in 2019 and then he started all seven games in 2020. Isn't really putting up the stats Uh, That Mallory is uh, 13 tackles, a half a tackle for loss last year, three QB hurries, but he's more of that steady guy in the middle that will eat a double team. He'll, he'll be the more unselfish defensive tackle. That's just kind of, he's going to do his job. He's not really as explosive as Mallory. He's not as explosive as Jalen hunt, the other guy. So he's going to be more of the anchor and uh, he does his job and he does it pretty darn well. So I, I don't know with those two guys, I think Mallory definitely has the higher ceiling, but that isn't to say that Slade isn't a damn good football player as well. Yeah. These two, it's funny that comparison, all I can think about is Raycon Williams yep. and Mike <laughs> Panashuk playing next to each other. Same recruiting class played next to each other forever. These guys are starting to develop. I know Mallory didn't start every game last year, but these two are starting to develop kind of this a similar story where Slade, like Mike Panashuk, maybe wasn't as flashy as powerful, but happy to eat his blocks, you know, happy to cause trouble on the inside and make things messy. And, and Mallory, like Williams, maybe a little bit more athletic, uh, a little bit more powerful, gets in the backfield more frequently. But um, at the end of the day, if your defensive tackles, you know, as a pair are playing well and are getting pressure, getting, you know, eating rushes up the middle, um, I think you can lump their stats together and attribute it to both of them because them more than a lot of positions on defense, they really have to be in tune to each other Mm -hmm. um, and be, it's almost like one position group in there. So uh, these two should continue to be a lot more with the offensive line where it's, it's a five man unit and it's really hard to differentiate you know, who, who's a great player on this line. Who's the bad player on this line. Like, if you have one bad player on an offensive line, it's going to ruin the rest of those four guys and make their jobs harder. It's, it's, and it's the same with the defensive line as well. Like if you have a defensive tackle that the offensive lineman can just man up and bully, 
well, the rest of the defensive line isn't going to look that great because they're just going to run up that gap every time. And, and the other D tackle is going to be trying to get over there and there's nothing he can do. So yeah, it's, it's very much a unit that depends on each other. And yeah, I think these two, when you include Jalen hunt in there, um, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch them kind of grow together with Naquan Jones now leaving for the NFL. Um, they're going to kind of have that group to themselves and, We'll see how they how they develop. Uh, like you said, maybe they, they can develop some kind of chemistry like salt and pepper a couple of years ago. So that's um, I don't know. Any, anything else to add about this class? Any kind of overarching storylines that we missed or. Now, like I said earlier, I think this is the most important class on this team for this season uh, because of uh, the their potential to grow and and be the leaders of this team last year they were a lot of the filler guys who were just kind of identifying their roles and growing into them this season they're going to be the guys leading the team uh, alongside the super seniors but these guys are going to have to take the biggest step up to really stabilize the program into a you know returning to a competitive high level big 10 football program yep so let's wrap it up there. Um, follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU as well as at Spartan Martin 18. You can always send us an email, standingroomspartans at gmail.com. And of course, head over to the website, standingroomspartans.com. A couple recent articles up there talking about the quarterback battle and something else. I don't even remember what I wrote about. I'm working right now on an NFL draft piece, talking about these guys, um, kind of compiling a lot of the information you can find out there, um, draft profiles from The Athletic, from the Draft Network, from a lot of these guys that I've followed for a long time, um, as well as I'm going to kind of give a projection, give a prediction, if you will, of where, if and where these guys will get picked. So we'll make sure I get that out well before the draft. It should be out this week, um, but kind of predicting where I think these guys will land. And, and again, just kind of compiling everything. So make sure you stay uh, in tune to standingroomspartans.com and you will see that when it comes out. Uh, until then, hope everybody enjoyed the Masters this weekend. Hope everybody has a great Monday and a nice week of work here. And we will talk to you next week. So go green. Go white. And take care, folks. Okay, if you're still listening, there's the Easter egg at the end of the episode. My laptop screen <laughs> has completely frozen, and I have no idea what to do with this information right now because nothing. We're going to have like a, it's going to go five minutes too long, and it's going to save this episode, and we're going to lose the whole thing and throw it out, throwing the towel till next week. I don't even know what to. I like my 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 Zoom screen is up, and I can hit the the Windows button. And the windows will pop up, but no other buttons are available for me right now. Like even my internet browser, like I, I had it open, but I can't click on it. <laughs>
and the buttons at the bottom of the zoom screen that are normally here are not available to me so i don't know what's going on i think my only chance might be to just turn the thing off and hope that it saves but i don't think this it is will. hopefully hopefully a nice little backstage pass to the the trappings of being a podcast host here yeah if 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 that even comes to that point just i I don't even know what to do right now no (laughs) like can you do the old control alt delete i just tried um and then this the screen pops up and i can click on task manager but then when (laughs) i get back into my like window screen i can't do anything uh i don't even know (laughs) what to do right now God, I hope this saves because this is going to be a very interesting ending for people who are probably listening in their cars right now being like these idiots. Eyes on the road. (laughs) I have no idea what to do right now. I know if I turn this off, it's not going to save it. But you can't close the window? Just like X out? Nope. It doesn't even like highlight in the red when I go there. Can you make me the host and I can try to like no, gently kick you out? I can't. I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> oh dear. Um, okay, control alt delete. I have to put some language on the pod for the first time. Lock, switch user, sign out, change your password, task manager. None of those other things will help me right now. Power. No, I don't want to restart. Maybe if I just like shut the Wi-Fi off, it'll end it. But mm-hmm. I feel like it, there's cause... a better chance of that than just like just once it closes out once once zoom closes it starts converting the recording yeah i'd try i think that's the best bet i'm going to shut off All the right, wi-fi so this is and if you're listening to this <laughs> you have reached the climax of our frustration here i'm you're shutting welcome. off the wi-fi have a great week everybody <laughs> bye kevin